You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Hey guys, my name is Matt Langston. I am a music producer, a mix engineer, and an avid unicorn enthusiast. And I would like to invite you over to my podcast, Eleven D Life. On Eleven D Life, we get to talk to your favorite artists, producers, and creators about what makes them tick. We take deep dives into where they get their juiciest inspirations from and how they keep from being cynical about all of it. We even get to pull back the curtain on my band, Eleven D Seven, and share some fun insider tips and tricks for our fellow. Hello, bandmates and creators out there. So be sure to check out Eleven D Life right here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network and wherever you get your favorite shows. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. In this episode, I speak with comedian, Satanist, and former senatorial candidate, Steve Hill. We discuss his journey to Satanism, the prison system, racism, and so much more. But before we get to that, I have to thank my patrons. My patrons are my personal lords and saviors, and they are ensuring the long life of my work. For just $3 a month, you get access to my patrons-only podcast, House of Heretics, which I do with my co-host and friend, Timothy McPherson, who is a Salvation Army officer turned Christian heretic. If you are interested in joining my Patreon, you can just go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. There is also a link in the show notes. So for this week, I have to thank George Sawyer. Thank you so much, George. I truly could not do this without you. You are ensuring the long life of my work and that I can bring you interesting content on the blog and podcast every single week. Now, if you are listening to this and you are unable to financially support the show, that is completely okay. I understand. Life is hard right now. The economy is still struggling due to COVID, and I really need you to take care of yourself and your family first and foremost. So if that's the position that you're in, but you still want to support my work, one of the best ways is to just subscribe to the show wherever you are listening. The more subscriptions, be it Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever, the more subscriptions, the more our algorithmic overlords recommend the show to others and helps to grow the show. Another fantastic way to support the show is to just leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So here is one review from a listener named Scalding. Scalding says, a wonderful podcast. As a newcomer to Satanism, I find this podcast to be an amazing resource. The interviews with the leaders in the community are a great resource and fun to listen to. But beyond that, I find that his guests often challenge my worldview and lead me to reevaluate my positions. The recent episode on free speech is a particular example that really challenged a viewpoint that I took for granted, which I love. I absolutely love this review because that is totally what these conversations are for. Very often, I don't agree with my guests. The point is to have long-form, in-depth conversations that challenge us to think more deeply, to be more mature and thought out so that we can be better people. So this is exactly the kind of review that I love reading. So if you leave a review for the show, I will absolutely read it uh, at the top of the show. I also invite you, blah, 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 fuck. Check, check, check. Hey, hey, hey. Dante, this is going to be miserable to edit. I'm so sorry. Okay. (laughs) If Dante leaves this in, he is uh, he is the editor and producer for the show. So if you take the time to leave a five-star review for the show on Apple Podcasts, I will read it on the show as 
thanks. I also have to give a big shout out to my Discord server. Most of the conversation about my work happens on Discord. There is a link in the show notes. There is new conversation happening there every single day. It is a fantastic little community. So if you are a heathen, a heretic, an atheist, a non-theist, a Satanist, or a progressive Christian, or just someone curious about the types of conversations that I have on the show, please come join in the fun. It is a fantastic little community. And finally, if you love the work that I do on this show, you will also love the SatanicTemple.tv, which is one of the sponsors for Sacred Tension. They have all kinds of content on the streaming platform. They have documentaries, live streams, movie nights, rituals, music, all kinds of stuff to edify you about Satanism and ritual. So if you're into that, please go to thesatanictemple.tv and at checkout, use my promo code SACREDTENSION, all caps, no space, and you will get one month free. All right. Well, all of that finally out of the way, I am delighted to welcome Steve Hill to the podcast. Steve Hill, welcome to the show. Thank you. And thanks for the invite to uh, being here. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. So, you know, I reached out to my audience because I was planning another round of episodes. I record all my episodes in batches and I was like, hey, so who should I interview next? And everyone was like, Steve Hill. Everyone, everyone wanted you on the show. <laughs> so okay. I really... Yeah, so I really appreciate like, you coming. I'm being chased by the police. Oh no! I hope, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> no, I got, a, I got a thing with the police right now. So let's way. talk. So, so uh, let's talk about that. And before we do, just tell my audience some about who you are and what you do. All right, man. Uh, who I am? My name is Steve Hill. I was born on the north side of St. Louis in the summer of 1961, about uh, two weeks after President Barack Obama. Born into a ghetto, dirt poor. You know, I, I learned kind of from my uh, father and, and big brothers. They were all military men. And, uh, you know, I got, I got men in my family who have fought, you know, documented all the way back to the Civil War. So my father fought in World War II. My brother fought in Vietnam. I got another brother that's a retired U.S. Marine. And me, myself, I spent about approximately six years uh, as a United States Marine. Mm. Okay. Uh, had a little situation happen in the Marine Corps, and and I just told him, you know what, just let me just let me out, you know. And and one of my commanding generals, he was the one that suggested it because they the Marine Corps had fucked up so bad with me mm. that they were like, uh, you want to get out? I was like, yeah, okay, because you you guys are kind of fucking weird. <laughs> so, anyways, I went to LA, worked in aerospace, worked as a uh, CNC aerospace machinist, which is a computer numerical control machinist, made uh, really, really precise parts as it relates to application on usually the stealth fighters and the, the jet fighters, the F two, and all kinds of. You know, anyway, it was a, it was kind of a stressful job because mm. of the exotic metals we work with, like titanium and, you know, really these weird metals. But anyway, I kind of got bored with that, you know, making these inanimate objects for war. And I thought I would do something a little bit more exciting. So I went to prison for 10 years as an officer. <laughs> as an officer. Don't get it fucking twisted, folks. <laughs> yeah, I uh, worked at two different maximum security prisons, one being CCI, which is California Correctional Institution at the HP. And I worked at CSPLAC, which is California State Prison, Los Angeles County, the only state prison within the bounds of Los Angeles County. Okay. Uh, had enough of that after about 10 years. I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Hmm. Got into a little situation with administration and uh, I had to go because I, Kind of caught them in a fucked up situation. I just decided to take an early retirement. And they were like, would you like to retire? <laughs> like, yeah. So anyway, anyways, uh, I've been retired for like 20 years now. After that, I went, you know, I wanted to do something a little bit more positive, maybe something with kids, you know, something, you know, working with the children, trying to straighten them out. So I went and uh, worked as campus security for uh, two middle schools in my uh, area. And that was kind of like, working at the prison, but at the prison, I didn't have to worry about getting shot. I mean, these schools are fucked up and that's where we need to be putting our, our money into 
you know, educating our children, making sure everybody got a, a good shot at the American dream and the future mm. and all of that. At this point, I was like, okay, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I need to do something to uh, make some money. You know, it's time, you know, it's, it's time rubber, rubber meets the road. It's time to, you know, bring home the bacon, make some loot, you know, and uh, it really doesn't uh, give me any amount of pleasure to, you know, admit this, but I had to go into a life of crime. Yeah, I went into real estate. <laughs> that is a so life that up. is a life of crime <laughs> yeah yeah really uh, let me tell you if you only knew what i fucking knew i mean you i hope this isn't a sunday show uh no we don't do sh- sunday no, shows around 18 here 18 and over this, this might get a little little uh pg <laughs> yeah man so i opened up anniversary real estate appraisal in 2004 about three years before the old mortgage meltdown happened, Great Recession, <laughs> saw a lot of people lose their houses, saw a lot of kids get uprooted from their foundational structure, which is the home, and you know, wind up living with cousins and uncles and perverts and freaks and who who knows that who the kids get you know exposed to in those stressful circumstances where you know people are basically walking away from their homes, losing their homes, you know, stressful period in a kid's life and. Mm. You know, I think about I think about that all the time that no one went to jail for it. No, you know, none of the real criminals, none of the real actors of the mortgage meltdown, financial crime, none of them went to prison. And, I, you know, I think back to how, how I felt so uncomfortable working in a maximum security prison and just seeing the enormous amount of black men behind bars. It mm. is like it's jaw is jaw dropping, jaw dropping. You know, I, I stood there on, on days, you know, doing mill release, you know, maybe C3, C block, uh, trolley block, and you open, crack the doors, tell, tell control booth to open the doors. And man, for the next 15 minutes, you just see nothing but brothers walking out in front of the cell door, cell block door. It, it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it wears on you after a while because that's where you, you learn that just inherently something must be wrong with this fucking system yeah. for so many, you know, and then you start, you know, if you know history and you start thinking back to, you know, how do we get here? How, you know, what, why, why us? Why? And you think about, you know, 1863 Emancipation Proclamation, you think about 1865, the outright abolishment of slavery. And then you think about all of that time period in between the 60s, you know, we have the Civil Rights Act, and we had some real legislation and Voters' Rights Acts in, in 68, where they, supposedly stopped the redlining and uh, we could live wherever we wanted to. But I think that's actually still going on. But if you think about it in that context and you start linking history up together and you see you, you got these, you know, you got to have these ghettos of black people where they, they've had, you know, so much lack of educational opportunities, upward mo- mobility, you know, into the, you know, because you're, you're basically trapping people into ghettos where there's no economic tax base to support the community, you know, that, that, and that's a direct adverse effect on public schools, you know, and then you throw people in there with, with no job, no money, no hope. What are they going to do? They're going to feed on each other like animals, just shit trying to survive. Yeah. Robin, stealing, all of that element that this country produces. And then, some and people, then blame. Might call them well, what? well, I was going to say, and then blame the people for how they behave when it was the systemic realities that pushed them to that situation in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, how many times can one group of people be victimized? Yep. And it, it, it's, it's, it gets kind of redundant, especially every time you walk out your fucking front door, your skin is black. It's like, oh, fuck, you know. How am I going to maneuver through the day? And that's, you know, that's what I think about when I leave, leave the house. But yeah, it's uh, until until everybody gets, you know, learn history and start applying, you know, common sense and logic and, and maybe gain some compassion and a little empathy and, and love and, you know, everything that's attributed to humans and a Christian nation. You know, they say it's a Christian nation, but I don't know. I don't know if. I don't know if those Christians went to Africa and picked up more Christians and we're all God's children. I mean, all of that bullshit is just asinine to me. Yeah. And how people can 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 live their lives by some fucking ancient comic book 
Mm. It, it's absolutely mind boggling. Yeah. But anyways, in uh, 2000 and right, right around the time Obama became active, actively known on, on a national stage, I, re- I remember listening to him in, I think, 84 at the D.C. Uh, convention in L.A., where I just happened to be freshly out of the Marine Corps and able to now really follow local politics. I've, I've been a political junkie all my life, political nerve. I, I, it was kind of inspiring. I was like, wow, this, this brother can run for president. I could at least say something about our society by telling a couple fucking jokes. You know, <laughs> even though I am inherently a shy person, really, really just shy as can be. So I do comedy, you know, part time now anyway, because COVID, we're still, we're still waiting to open the uh, venues up. And I have a, a new venue. I have a, a new show I'll be doing locally here in town probably once a week. Every Friday night, Palm Beach, California. Nice. Yeah, I started telling, first I started really just focusing on political humor. And uh, I was basically discriminated by against by a black church, which really fucking pissed me off because mm-hmm. nobody, was, every, everyone was scared to touch them. I, I went to all the right people to complain and they were like, oh, you mad at the black church? You, you know, you, we can't piss off the black church. We need their votes, so. Yeah. And so I kind of aim my comedy towards uh, religion. <laughs> like, fuck them. Fuck everybody. You know, once you once you got you telling jokes against the church, everybody's included now. You know what I mean? Mm. So start telling jokes, start telling secular jokes and started like going to working at the conferences and traveling here. I think I did one of my first biggest shows was for Edwina Rogers in uh, the Secular Coalition. They're a group in uh, D.C. You know, did American Atheist a couple of times. A lot of humanist stuff, especially on, on the West Coast, uh, Washington, San Diego. You know, just traveling kind of part time, not really, you know, and then, and then, of course, performing in the clubs in uh, Hollywood and, and Los Angeles. That's that's fun. That's where that's where comedy really gets good because <laughs> you scare the shit out of some of the people when, when a black guy start fucking saying fuck Jesus. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody. That's great. I mean, I've, I've seen people put their drink down mid joke. Like, Ooh, what the fuck did he just say? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just waiting for these clubs, man. I, I'm going to be doing a comedy special. It's going to knock the ears off of some folks. Amazing. And uh, it's a lot of shit that people really need to hear. You know, we, we don't have any comedians that I see hmm. that are really talking about what the fuck is going on, what people need to hear right about now. Mm. And what what are those things in your mind? What do people things, need? What do people need to to hear? First thing, people need to recognize the black man's history in America. Hmm. You know, we we, we are the people. They're, they're always talking about immigrants, immigrants, immigrants. Think about think about attaching another word in front of the, the word immigrant. Think about this one word, putting this word in front of immigrant. Involuntary. Hmm. We we are the only people who are involuntary immigrants. But for the actions of other people, 1619, and and the money and wealth that could be generated by enslaving another group of people, even though you're Christians and we're all God's children, you go over and pick up humans, brutalize them, terrorize them. I mean, this this shit wasn't, you know, things are now being caught on tape and and smartphones and shit. Could you imagine a slave having a fucking iPhone Mm. and, uh, you know, recording some of the shit it had to be seen, you know, the brutality, the medical experiments from people come all from all over the world and experiment on slaves in America because they could. I mean, there's got to be some documentation on that. I bet some people, some people from other countries pay to come and experiment on slaves. I mean, we don't know. We'll never know. I mean, I got people, you know, in my family in Mississippi, people who left home and never came back. Nobody ever heard from them again. My um, mother's uncle left home. Never came back. Imagine that. I mean, in Mississippi, you pretty much know that there was some foul play involved. Nobody ever talked about it. None of the white people talked about it. Black people didn't talk about it. So, yeah, it's uh, that's, that's one of the things. First, people need to learn history. Once you learn history, if you are half as decent human being with a fucking loving heart and a, and a fucking brain that, that has the mere capacity for any amount of critical thinking and applying logic and fucking common sense to your life, to, to your fellow humans, the rest should kind of fall in place. The, the, the reparations, 
should fall in place. Should, yes. I, I say, you know, because this, this shit, white people lose their motherfucking mind. You start talking about giving black people money. You're like, oh, no, Jesus. Oh, hell no. Not, not <laughs> and, and the Fuck thing that. is, you know, you're, you're talking about history here. I, I don't know how much it sinks in that this isn't just history this is very very recent history like incredibly recent history you know i'm i'm this is a whole process that i've gone through uh because you know i i'm a clueless white gay bro and it's taken me a, a long time to realize this stuff and i it's like i always knew the history but it was always almost it, it was almost like this alternate universe that never felt like it impacted my life in any significant way and so even though i knew that the history was was recent it never felt recent it was like there was a buffer and the realization of no the this is recent history that impacts untold millions of people to this day in ways that will continue to echo for generations. And for so many white people like me, there's this understanding that it's history, but it, it, it feels almost like a history from an alternate dimension and, and getting to bridge that gap. I don't know. Does that make any sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, basic, basically what you just told me was you live in a bubble and you're starting to fucking realize it. Exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I live uh, in yeah, the that's widest. A, that's, a, that's a big part of this. That's exactly. a big part of this thing, man. And that's why I, I want to try to do this with... Uh, Comedy. Mm. I think I can sneak inside some of those bubbles. Good. And burst those fuckers. Good. You should. Get people, yeah. Get people to think a little bit bigger and, and live outside your bubble and, and have compassion and, mm. and think from another per person's perspective. If you know what you want to be trapped with living your life like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So when we were exchanging messages discussing what we want to talk about, one thing that you really emphasized was police reform. Talk these about that. Talk about that. These motherfuckers. I, uh, right now, <laughs> right now, I have legal action against Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department mm. due to an incident of what I call bullying. I was bullied by a uh, Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputy. What, what it was, he, he came and paid me a home visit. I mean, this is typical cop shit. I'll, you know, I'm going to pay you a visit, you know. This is, he, he tried to, to run one of those on me. You know, when, when you were a badge for 10 years, you know, you, you pay inmates sell a visit. You know, you go up, you know, they, they smart off or, or say something fucked up to you. And you're like, yeah, okay. You, you know, you stay calm. and like, yeah, I'll pay your cell a visit later on. And now they know that they're getting ready to get a cell inspection. The day room's going to be shut down. All the inmates are going to be pissed off at them. And, uh, we get to go and toss their cell. I mean, throw all this shit around, look at it, go into all their personal shit. And then they got to go and, you know, clean their house back up. And I think this cop came to my house calling himself going to pay me a visit. What it was, like I mentioned uh, before, I'm in real estate. I appraise real estate. I don't sell real estate. A lot of people get, get those two confused. I give an opinion of value. That's what my job is to give an opinion of value of properties. Anyways, one morning I was uh, shooting cops in East Lancaster, that's in the Yellow Valley, North Los Angeles County. And I uh, went down this one street, it was a cul-de-sac street, so I had to go in and turn around in the cul-de-sac and come back out. And there was a guy out on the right-hand side. That was the first thing I, I remember, because when you're shooting cops, when you were a black man with a camera, I learned real quick to don't let nobody see you fucking raise the camera. So I, you know, I, I employed my regular sneaky techniques of putting my, you know, top of my hand over the steering wheel and shooting underneath my arm to shoot the house. I can do it with, with pretty, pretty great accuracy now. But anyways, I went and shot comps over in East Lancaster and uh, that took about 30, 40 minutes. Had to, had to be back home to meet the air conditioner re repair guy. So I rushed back home. Got there before he got there and we started looking at the air conditioning. So we both walk outside because we see a police car cruise by. And I'm like, mm, that, that's unusual. You know, I, I live in a, a relatively exclusive neighborhood that has a view of the city and you can see the lake and, you know, nice, nice piece of property. 
really kind of exclusive. And we, you know, we went up further to see what was going on. And by that time we got up, you know, to the top of my driveway and through the gate, this cop had turned his car vehicle around and uh, was getting out of his car, walking towards me. And I'm like, why is he here? And he walks up and he asked me two questions. Where were you about 30, 40 minutes ago? And what were you doing there? And I was like, that, at that point, I took my camera out, thankfully, and said, wait a minute, let me get a shot of you because ain't nobody going to believe this shit. And I snapped a picture of him. I did a, it was actually a live photo on my iPhone. So you can hear actually like two seconds of me, you know, telling him, wait, nobody's going to believe this. It's kind of like a short two second video clip of him. And man, I kind of, you know, telling them about who I am and did you run my plates? Because he had to have read my plates because my plates have a clearance on them from the Department of Corrections. And he knew that I was affiliated with the Department of Corrections. I don't know if he thought I was a fucking dangerous inmate or what, but nothing stopped him from coming to my house and, and you know, kind of humiliating, you know, somebody asking you about you know, and I asked him, did someone call the police on me? And he said, no, no. I said, so nobody called the police on me. Yeah, I think his neighbor saw my license plate, which reads, for Satan. <laughs> the numeric symbol for and yep. then Satan. People people that had friends with me on Facebook, they know I post it sometimes. Yep. But I think that license plate just ate somebody the fuck up. And because his house was the one I took a picture of, he went and told him, hey, that guy with forsaken plates took a picture of your house or was looking at your house. I know he didn't see me shoot a picture, but I was just looking at his house because I'm a fucking appraiser and I need to check out the value influencing characteristics of his house. If he has any recent modernizations, anything that's atypical or customized from the rest of the houses. And he had nothing, just a big fucking tract home fucking 3,500 square feet, probably five plus three with granite countertops, tile flooring, and some type of vinyl linoleum bullshit in the bathroom. Anyways, big tract house. Mac Mansions is what we call them. Yep. Now the nerve of him coming from a neighborhood like that, getting all of my inf- my private information to fucking track me down like a runaway fucking slave and then come up to my house later going, why were you in my neighborhood? Hmm. That was a bully move. And then this this is where I really got angry. I was a fucking uh, candidate for state senate at the time. I just wanted to go and talk to the sheriff, say, hey, man, train your officers. Don't be have them come to my house and, you know, off the record and shit. He ignored me. So I went out to a meeting that he was at, I think the day after, tried to talk to him. I, re- I recorded Porter of it on tape. He asked, does anybody have a problem with the sheriff? This is Captain Schaefer, Palmdale Station. I raised my hand. Yeah, I got a problem. Something, something. He told me, he directed me to a website. And one of my friends couldn't believe it. She was behind me. Well, why the fuck would he have to go to a website? And you sitting right here in front of him. And I was just like basically totally ignored again. So now it's like, okay, fuck, I got no choice. I got to go file, file, you know, something official, documentation with the sheriffs and and. They did some bullshit scam. You know, I hung up on them. I told them I'm, I'm going to get an attorney because they were lying to me and I knew they were lying to me. So now I've got a legal case, $1.1 million. Mm. I've got a fucking idiot attorney that as simple as this case is, he, he has fucked it up just because he's trying to get more money out of me. I mean, I, I view this motherfucker as Judas. <laughs> you know, I'm fighting him and the fucking sheriff's department at the same time. But yeah, I mean, politics, the cycle is coming up again. Now, every a fucking amazing, I bullshit you not, everybody wants Satan's endorsement. <laughs> what do you mean by that? that? What do you mean by that? I'm, I stay in the political with people, you know, from running for office. I know mm-hmm. all the politicians. I can fucking get on the phone with every elected official you know, assembly center and even Mike Garcia's ass from uh, Washington. He lived down in Santa Cruz. But, I, you know, we all talk. As far as I'm concerned, we're all friends because, you know, we're, we're all kind of like trying to do something for the fucking community. So, you know, and then all of these motherfuckers run like sheep. Hmm. Like, and, and that's, that's another fucking problem that this country will never deal with because we've got to find a way to cleave our politics from our law enforcement. Yeah. They're too closely related. It's an over-familiarity of a uh, 
relationship yeah. between politics because they can say nothing wrong because they'll lose support of the unions and the police and they'll lose all that patriotic bullshit they be yakking about in their freedoms and, and, lib- and their religious liberty and they'll lose, but they don't think about nobody else's, you know? It's fucking amazing if you think about it, man, but woo, I so, gotta, if I gotta fight all these motherfuckers, I will. Absolutely. And I think what I'm hearing you say is that there is basically like this militarized occupation of black communities by the police in America. And, you know, when this police officer came to your house to check it out, it, it's all, it is a form of like bullying and like a militarized occupation of an entire group of people in our country. And what do you want people who who don't understand the situation to know about it? What do you want people to know about what's wrong and how to fix it? Well, what's what's wrong is, is the over policing of black people. Yeah. You know, it's like it's almost like a, a, a no no lose situation for, for everyone involved because, you know, the cops, they, 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 they always get these people from the military. And trust me, I know this one. <laughs> I know this one from being a Marine and a peace officer. It's a certain group of people in this country. They, you know, they see themselves as protectors of this nation. It's almost like some like fucking some Christian organization. It's a it's a base core group, though. Just think Trump supporters. Just think whoever those people. It's like a cult. It's like it's like yeah. a, a, a religious cult almost that attracts people who self-select for like radical ideology and narcissism and sociopathy yeah yeah they 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 have their own ideology their own way of fucking thinking Hmm. and man once they tie the bible to it it's like you can't shake them off of it and like you said some of the characteristics are just like cult figures i mean look at look at black people in religion you tell me that's that's that is definitely stockholm syndrome and i think we adopted their religion as a conduit for survival yeah you know it's like fucking pleading with people like stop killing us we'll we'll take your god if you could just stop killing us Hmm. but i don't know it's uh it's a lot you know but i suggest how the how to fix it man it it, it's so complicated if people just want to remain willfully ignorant about how we got here Hmm. like how the fuck did we get here and i you know i know a lot of people think that literally some figuratively but it's like, how do we get to where we are now in 2021? How do we get here? Everybody needs to think about that, you know. And, you know, if it wasn't for the, the good white people, man, <laughs> if it wasn't for the good white people in this country, and those are the ones I see as patriots. Those ones that are, they know it's wrong and they're actually helping us. You know, they, they've been dying right along with us. You know, you look at the abolitionists, you look at it, all the people who were against slavery and who helped and you know yeah that's it's, a long, how, it's, a, it's a it's a long list that's how i feel about the straight allies as well who've really you know it's like the gay community and the trans community we need people of privilege to help us <laughs> and to put their lives on the line as well yeah i guess what i'm and hearing you like, say hey, yeah go on go on you, just to let you know man i i got a, a gay daughter that's fantastic yeah man yeah, I, I got a story i got a story that goes with that because I think she was still in, I think she was still in high school. I know she wasn't 18 yet. And her, at the time, my ex-wife lived in Compton and I'm in North LA County. Compton is a little Southeast of uh, downtown. Anyways, her mother somehow discovered that she was gay. I think I knew she was gay since she was around four or five cause she just looked awkward as fucking a dress. But her mom discovered that she was gay by going on her computer or something and she, uh, Kicked her out of the house right there on the spot, man. Mm. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, you fucking imbecile. You kick your own daughter out the house because she's gay. And, you know, if you could hate an ex-wife any greater, I think I found that that level. You know, <laughs> I got in the car, went down and we picked her up, you know, brought her to live with us. Eventually, though, she, you know, she reconciled with her mother. Her mother fucking grew up in the mine. Mm-hmm. And now they live together in a in Atlanta. But yeah, I got I got I got jokes on the whole LBGT 
Good. Community. She, she, she's part of it. Yeah. She's That's part beautiful. Of it. So, you guys hear my comedy special. You, you'll hear some <laughs> LBGTQ. I can't wait. By the, by the way, will there be any uh, filmed versions of your comedy? Like, it, will it be put up on YouTube or anywhere where, where people yeah, can we're, check it we're, out? Yeah, we're searching, we're searching for a platform now. We're, okay. we were, think, we're thinking about putting on TST's platform first. Yeah. Oh, that would be that would be awesome. By the way, little infomercial here, dear audience. This show is sponsored by TST TV, and you can get one month free by using my promo code Sacred Tension All Caps No Space at checkout. Okay, done. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah. But tell Doug, hey, tell tell Doug I said I love him. We love you, Doug. Hey, did I tell y'all how, how me and Doug met? No. And for people who don't know, Doug, uh, aka Lucian. Lucian Greaves. How did how yeah. did you and Doug meet? Hey, I was at a conference uh, performing comedy. It was in my hometown of St. Louis. Check the check the murder rates in St. Louis constantly for the last thirty years. I, I think we're always one or two. Anyways, mm. I, I had a nephew that was murdered there a couple of years ago. It's, it's like a, a horrible, most worst. Donald Trump would probably even go as far as calling it a shithole city, that north side. But anyway, that's a that's a that's a whole different story. But we were at a conference there and and, and Doug was speaking. He was giving a presentation. And we had a mutual friend named Nikki. Uh she she, you know, she came to me like, Steve, you, you should be a Satanist. You should be a come on. And you know, and I immediately started researching it. And then she took Doug and I on a tour of, of Ferguson. And, you know, after after to look at the aftermath of the uh protest yeah and uh you know i'm, I'm talking to her. i'm like nikki damn man, man you don't understand shit that i'm already black i don't need no extra baggage you know, <laughs> turn, around, turn around that statement <laughs> yeah i was like fuck it all right fuck it okay i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a satanist i'm gonna be a black satanist because i actually you know i talked to lisa i was like hey i think it's fucking brilliant though that you because i'm a political junkie yeah. I think it's fucking brilliant that you actually use the system that is in place, the court system, yes. to, you know, declare us a religion and fucking get get fucking a pimp status where you don't pay no taxes. Yep. And, you know, I was telling them, you know, I like the shit they were doing in Oklahoma and Arkansas and even Mississippi. Uh, yeah. So I became a Satanist, man. We came, I came back and kind of helped, helped uh, the other, I think it was three people there that were starting a uh tst chapter la mm -hmm. yeah we, we started doing that and started doing things and having rituals and yeah it was it was a uh, it was great but that's how we that's how we met man and that's awesome you know, he's come out to my house to visit and we've gone and i had to speak at a conference in sacramento he went up there with me and talked to people and you know hung out yeah i think i think he likes getting away from that East Coast to just come out to the West Coast. I'm sure chill. he does. Yeah, and he's he's a great oh, guy. It's, yeah, it's shit. I, I wouldn't want to be anyplace else. This is this is my heaven. That's if awesome. If you could ever be a, a Satanist and have a heaven, I'm in heaven now. Look at me. <laughs> Woo! So, so since we're talking about Satanism and we have a few minutes left, so I, I sent out a question on my Discord server for people who might want to ask you questions. And one question that I did get is that just just what are you, what are your thoughts about Satanism in general? It's it seems like a very white culture and what what are your thoughts on that and and that, honestly it's been one of my big concerns because i am part of the ordination council for the satanic temple and i i want the the temple to i want the temple and i want satanism as a whole to push back against the segregation of our culture right and and push back against yeah. the white supremacy of our culture and so i yeah. just i'm just wondering what your thoughts are on all of that Okay, we, we we probably gotta get ready to go extra extra over over oh, time. That that now. is fine with me. <laughs> but but yeah, man, listen, man. I think that's why. Uh, I don't know. Doug, Doug and I used to have a used to have a better relationship. I used to call him. He answered the phone. Used to text him. He answered the text. But now it's like Doug. Like, but I you know, I, I keep telling him, and I was preaching this. When we were doing TST chapter in LA, I was like, "Hey, man, let's let's not turn this into something to where you know, let's 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 mainstream this more to mm. where we don't frighten off people of color, mm. and let's get this to where this shit looks like America." Yeah, you know, I mean, I understand the whole the whole goth thing and the rituals and the bloodletting, and but mine is a little bit more more uh, deeper than this. I want I want I want this to be like a coalition. Yeah. Of, all the voiceless people who haven't had a fucking voice 
And as a, as a black atheist, secular, satanic humanist, it's like, you know nobody's speaking for me. Could you fucking name a famous black atheist that will come out and just, yeah, I'm a fucking atheist. Hmm. Who is it? Hmm. Name the movie that motherfucker plays in. Name the team he plays on. Name the last CD he dropped. Nobody talks for us. You go on fucking serious satellite radio. They got all these fucking Christian stations. Not one fucking secular fucking atheist station whatsoever. Mm. You know, and I talked to my friend Dave Silverman about that. It's like, hey, why don't you guys try to make a bigger presence? So maybe we won't feel like we're, we're just a bunch of rejected idiots who don't have a God. Like, why aren't you guys pushing more? So I'm going to drop this. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm drop this comedy special on on America and see what fucking people think after they hear what I got to say. Brilliant. Yeah, I um, I hear you. And it's something that that does concern me in in the satanic community and how do you how do you navigate that as a man who is black and also a satanist while it seems like just about all the satanists around us around you are white what does that what does that mean for you i think i'm i think i'm winning i think i'm winning people over especially locally good i think i'm i think i'm you know they're starting to see past the imagery Mm. and you know the the actually kind of uh gaslighting they look and they said wait you know they they see other shit that i do you know like run for office and be outspoken and speak the truth to power and they kind of like you know hey we understand you know i still have some people who are scared as fuck like they actually think you know i worship the devil which is like are you fucking retarded Mm. You know, I'm a different kind of Satanist shit. I, I just got one tenant. Mm. You know, the, the, the temple has seven. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I like that. I like the fourth one, though, where it says, fuck you. If, if I offend you, fuck you. I got that right. And if you fuck with my right, your right will be taken. Yes. I, I love the I love the fourth I lo- tenet. The fourth, for the fourth tenant is one of my favorites, for sure. Yeah. But see, I'm the kind of Satanist. All I got is one tenant. That's don't be an asshole. There you go. You live, you live by that and just let fucking everybody else live. Don't fuck our children. Don't hurt our animals hmm. and, and protect the fucking earth and educate these kids. Then you're, you're, you're fucking Satanists. And I know millions of these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. I know millions of Satanists. They're out there, but they just haven't learned how to, you know, shake shake the way they've been conditioned to think. And, you know, I completely agree with with what you were just saying about how Satanism should be a broad coalition. If Satanism is about the icon of the outsider, which for me, that's what Satanism is. It is about the unbound. Yeah, it's about the fallen angel, the demonized. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and so for me, like my Satan is super fucking queer because I was demonized. <laughs> <laughs> I was As demonized. Well, he should be. Yes, he should be. I was demonized my entire life for, you know, I, I was raised in the conservative of Christian world demonized for being gay. And so for for me, Satan is the icon of the outsider. Whoever the oppressed, whoever the marginalized, whoever the outsider is, that is what Satan is for. And so because of that, I really want to see Satanism grow beyond just being a white fedora tipping edgelord religion. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I really want it to grow beyond I that. Yeah, I do too. I do too, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep pushing, man. I'm gonna keep. Uh, Good. It's gonna be, a, it's gonna be a lot though when this, when this comedy special comes out. I'm going, I'm going full Satan. Good. I and can't go. wait. And uh, maybe when it comes out, you can come back and we can talk about it again. That would be awesome. Oh, for sure, for sure. You, you'll have, you'll have first crack. Awesome. All right. Uh, I think we've reached our time. Is there anything else you want to add? Man, I, I, I just. Uh, like to, like to uh, ask everybody, especially out there in social media and Facebook. I don't, I don't, I don't tweet much because my hands are so damn big. You know, I'm I'm six foot seven, and I, you know, I could grip a fucking watermelon. So phones are not like my favorite. You know, <laughs> sure. Twitter, you know, Facebook is kind of cool, but you know, just just imagine fucking trying to type shit on a postage stamp. <laughs> That's me. So uh, yeah, I, I like Instagram a lot. I'm there. So Steve uh, at Steve Hill comic. If every, if everyone can go there and on Facebook, I, I don't care what city you you're in, and and I don't care you know what geographical location you're 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 at. Please, everybody, when you see a friends of TST group, 
like that group. That's those groups link us all together. Yes, absolutely. And we, we can we can all simultaneously know what the fuck is going on. So we should we should all any anything satanic, man. I've got it on my social media. And you know, that's hey, let's let's use this platform. Let's let's use media to unite like like the rest of the world has done. So yep. just, everybody just connect. If you're a Satanism and you understand this shit and you're not racist, unite. Like awesome. those groups. Go to those pages. I think that's great. And I will put your handles, your your Instagram and Facebook accounts in my in, in the show notes for this episode so people can check yeah, it out. Yeah, you can you can put the Twitter too. Okay. I'll put I'll uh, put Twitter in there as Black, well. Yeah, I think it's Black Satan four six 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 or something like that. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Okay. Well, Steve Hill, it's been a pleasure. You're welcome back anytime. Beautiful, man. It's been a good time talking with you. You as well. All right. Well, that is it for this show. The music is by The Jelly Rocks and Eleven D Seven. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. This show is written, produced, and edited by me and Dante Salamoni and is a production of Rock Candy Recordings. As always, hail Satan, and thanks for listening. Like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.